kind of the whole world, if you will, go in quarantine and, and, and react to this global pandemic. And we're kind of reaching an interesting point in the church as to where we as churchmen are asking, what do, you, what do we do and how do we as a religious foundation handle such a plague? And I think just, for, just really for this homily, I want to just talk real quick about kind of how we as at Our Lady of Wisdom plan on handling it. First, throughout all the masses, including the daily masses, what we're going to do is we're going to open up both sides so that everybody can spread out as much as possible to increase the, the social distancing. Uh, there will be no sign of peace as usual for, for, as it's been for the past few weeks. We won't be holding hands during the Our Father, not that we ever really did that too much anyway, but that's not, that's not to be encouraged. And the, the reception of Holy Communion is gonna, might, might be looking a little different. So the diocese has encouraged everybody to, whenever they come up to receive communion, to not receive it on the tongue. That being said, if you do want to wish to come receive communion and ask to receive it on the tongue, they're, you're not to be denied. That's, that was from Dawson legislation. What the diocese does encourage more often is to receive communion on the hand for just to, for what, what the diocese says, I guess, is to prevent the spread of disease. The issue with that, though, that I see is at least as a distributor of Holy Communion, is that usually whenever I'm distributing Holy Communion and I distribute on the tongue, I never touch the tongue of the person. It's very, very rare that that happens. However, distributing on the hand in order not to like, you know, throw it into your hand, which, is, which would be like a grave sacrilege, I, you inevitably are gonna touch the person's hand. We all know that hands are not exactly, the, probably the dirtiest parts of the body. So I don't personally necessarily see that the hand is that much more sanitary than receiving on the tongue. But what I do see is a third option that's even more sanitary than either of these, either of these things, receiving communion on the tongue or receiving communion on the hand. And that is not receiving communion at all. Now this is a very strange thing to hear from a priest, right? Often you hear, you hear us say, like, you know, you need to be in a state of grace, you need to receive communion as much as possible. Frequent reception of communion is a good thing. The fact of the matter is, frequent reception of communion, even receiving communion every day, is historically in the church a very, very new thing. It began with St. Therese of Lisieux, who died in the late 1800s, which means essentially throughout the church, except for maybe parts of the early church, until about 1890, this is a very odd thing. Well, St. Therese inspired Pope Pius X to then legislate and basically say that it's highly, highly encouraged, in fact, basically highly encouraged, you can't force, but highly, highly encouraged that everybody receive communion as much as possible. Frequent reception of communion, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's not a good thing, but we have a long tradition in the church of fasting from the good things in life. Fasting from food, fasting from drink, fasting from meat, fasting from things that are important, including fasting from the Eucharist. In fact, there's a large precedent within the church for this to be the case. And the reason for that is, is many, is really fourfold. Number one, I think a lot of us believe that this receiving the Eucharist is the heart of the Mass. In a sense, it is. But the heart of the Mass is actually the Mass itself. That is the transforming of the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Christ. Offering the sacrifice of the altar. 
And the reason why you and I are here is so that we can join our hearts and join our minds to that holy sacrifice. So that we can allow ourselves to experience the graces that God has given us through the sacrifice of the cross. Of the cross. It's not, receiving communion is an, is an amazing bonus. It's an awesome plus. It's something that we all, we are encouraged to do. But it's not the reason why you're here. You fulfill your Sunday obligation by simply showing up to Mass and praying alongside with the priest to offer the holy sacrifice. Period. It's the reason why we as a church kind of are moving away and really discouraging communion services as opposed to the Mass. Because a communion service really isn't what it's all about. Whenever Jesus said, do this in, mem- in remembrance of me, he wasn't talking about receiving communion. He was talking about transubstantiating the bread that was in his hands and the wine that was in his hands. And so what you and I do whenever we come to Mass is we come together and we, and we join our prayer to the priest who does that exact same thing. We make our own sacrifice of praise. We make our own sacrifice of faith. Which is why the priest says, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice, the sacrifice on the altar, and your sacrifice, the sacrifice of your presence here, the sacrifice of your hearts, may be acceptable to God, our mighty Father. So the Mass, first and foremost, is about uniting ourselves specifically to the cross, which means, like I said earlier, you can fulfill your Sunday obligation without receiving the Eucharist. The other thing, too, as I mentioned earlier, that daily communion is a relatively new thing, according to Pius X. The third thing, though, is that many, many saints went long periods of time without receiving Holy Communion. The first and foremost saint is St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi went 40 whole days during Lent fasting from, from the Holy Eucharist. Actually, historic records show, and this isn't really, this isn't how we do things anymore so much these days, but in the early church, it was acceptable to not attend Mass on Sundays for a number of reasons. One, usually, you know, you didn't have Mass around. But two, if you were out fasting, kind of like being like St. Paul, who went off fasting in Arabia for a long period of time, or being like Moses who fasted on the, on the mountain for 40 days, or even are you like Jesus, who fasted for 40 days in the desert, away from human interaction, it was acceptable to not attend Mass. And the reason for that, in fact, back in the early church, priests didn't even say Mass during Lent for the specific purpose of so that you and I can be hungry for the Eucharist come Easter time. See, what this is, what this fasting on the Eucharist does, is that essentially it... It, it works and, and nourishes our hunger for union with Christ. And that's what kind of, that's the, the beauty and the reason why the church has such a long history of fasting from it. Another good example is St. Francis Xavier. St. Francis Xavier was a missionary. And his, you know, he famously went from Europe to India and then to Japan. And the reason why we know that he fasted from the Eucharist is because the Council of Trent forbade mass to be said on a ship. Why? It's very hard to say mass on a ship without risking spilling the precious blood because you're, well, you're on a ship in waves in, in very high seas. And so what it was is we had here have St. Francis Xavier who went, I mean, months and months and months without receiving the Eucharist and yet he's now one of the greatest saints in the church. He's the patron saint of missionaries. And so there is a precedent to not receiving communion, and it's perfectly 
okay. Another example is St. Augustine. St. Augustine being a bishop, St. Augustine who could say Mass every day, would fast from the Eucharist periodically to be in solidarity with those people in his diocese who could not receive. And I think that's kind of the direction I think we should take. You know, Masses will, pro- will continue, probably, unless we get word otherwise, throughout this quarantine. And, but greater precautions will probably be, be put in place. I don't think it's a bad practice for us to fast from the Eucharist and offer up our suffering and offer up our longing for the risen Christ, our longing for the actual body of Christ, body and blood of Christ. Offer up our suffering for those coronavirus victims, for those countries who are in lockdown, for those countries who actually, on a regular day-to-day life, can't receive the Eucharist. I'm thinking about China and Saudi Arabia, these countries where the mass is banned or the mass is underground or priests are very, very hard to come by. Offer up our sufferings and offer up our longing for those people who don't have this luxury that you and I have of being able to receive the Eucharist not just every Sunday, but every day. Finally, what I want to, what I, what I want to encourage us to do is to, is to Basically, actually, sorry, I'm totally blind. I have a sinus infection, by the way. It's not the coronavirus. I am uh, I'm not really thinking properly today. But the, the point, my, what I want to encourage us to do is to unite ourselves more and more to, to, to our suffering brethren. And I think one way to do that, oh, that's what I, that was the point that I was making. Okay, yes, the, what I finally want to do, the fifth point is whenever you don't receive the Eucharist, the best thing to do is make a spiritual communion. That is, to make a prayer and say, Lord, at this time I'm not receiving you, this time I cannot receive you, but I long to receive the graces that I would have received had I received your actual body and blood. And I think that's basically going to be the way to go from here on out. The fact of the matter is, America could potentially, hopefully not, but could could potentially go on lockdown. We might even be forbidden from meeting here in the first place. We might even be shut down. Who knows? I I can't predict the future. But regardless, the prayer that we should pray, if that does happen, is a spiritual communion. Asking the Lord for the graces to receive in our souls the communion that we would normally receive had we, had we actually received him. In doing so, what we're doing is we're increasing our hunger for the Lord. Because the fact of the matter is, is how often do you and I come up to the, the Holy Eucharist and receive the body and blood of Christ as if it's nothing? It's just another thing to do during the week. And how often does that really not really take effect in our souls? What fasting does is helps us to realize the precious gift that we have in the Eucharist. Now the next question that often comes is, okay, so how do we go about not receiving the Eucharist? Okay, so there's two ways we do it in the church. One, you can come up and put your, put your finger on your mouth or cross your arms or whatever and basically indicate that you're not receiving. And if you go up to a priest, the priest can give you a blessing. That's an acceptable way to do things. The problem with that, though, is if you go up to somebody who's not a priest, you kind of put them in an awkward situation because they can't really give you a blessing. And so what do they do? They kind of like have to like nod at you and say like, yeah, right on, brother, you know, or like whatever. Like they're kind of, there's not, they're not really put in an easy situation to do it. So, so it's kind of a tough way to go about not receiving the Eucharist. The best way, and it's the way that every other country in the world except for America does it, is to simply remain in your pew. To simply not get up and stay and make a spiritual communion right there. 
and that way, you know, we avoid the spreading of the coronavirus and we can, we can learn what it's like to fast from the Holy Eucharist. That being said, we will still be distributing community at all masses. You can still come up. Don't, we're, not, we're not withholding it from you. But I do want to make a point that if, if this, this virus gets worse and we want to be, we want to attend mass, but we don't want to stay as sanitary as possible, this is a valid way to do so. It is a valid way to withhold from this and instead allow our longing for the Eucharist to grow more and more so that whenever we finally do receive him, it can become out of a full, fiery heart longing to be united to God, which is what actually happens whenever we do become united to him through his most precious body and blood. Amen.